You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host for today's show, Kyle Russo, alongside my co-host, Jay Mont- James Montefusco. Excuse me, James. My apologies. James, how are you doing tonight? Good. Yourself? Uh, you know, looking forward to talking some sports with you. It should be, it, a lot of things have happened since the last time uh, we spoke. So, James, they always do. They always do. Good or bad, sports is always active. The sports world is always active. But everybody, before we get started, obviously, a lot of media platforms in which we have, Facebook page, at Review and Preview Sports, YouTube as well. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to those pages, like those videos, like those pages. Uh, Besides Review and Preview, we have another show as well, 3&D, which was on last night with host Paul Lombardi, a basketball show. Uh, I know Paul talks NBA hoop as well as college hoop, so if you're a fan of that, make sure to tune into that every single Monday from, I believe, James, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock is how long Paul usually goes, about an hour long. Some great stuff. Make sure to tune to him. But for now, review and preview, guys. It's a Tuesday. It's review and preview. It's Kyle Russo. It's James Montefusco. We're going to have a fun time tonight. But, James, first off, with some breaking news in the, the sports world right now. So, Tiger Woods earlier this morning, and I know it's it's golf. We never start off with golf. I don't even know if we talk about golf. But Tiger Woods this morning um, was in a major car accident. His car rolled over. It looked like into a ditch. And he suffered some serious injuries, leg injuries. He's having surgery as we speak right now on those uh, legs of his. He's um, he's said to have been conscious when uh, they took him out of the car. So that is obviously a really good sign with that. And we'll obviously know the results of his surgeries later or later on in the week. But some scary news, man. Apparently he was going to uh, play in a tournament in which he played with other famous athletes. Yesterday he played with uh, Dwayne Wade, and this morning he was scheduled to play uh, with quarterback Drew Brees and quarterback Justin Herbert. So some scary stuff, definitely some scary stuff. Yeah, no, it is for sure. I, uh, I saw it on the news when I was eating dinner and stuff. Um, supposedly, from my understanding of getting the uh, hearing it, getting the news when I was eating dinner, it's it was on a big downhill grade um, or mountain, wherever exactly. Where yeah, like he it, was, kind of thing, yeah. And then I guess he wasn't slowing down enough or whatnot. Um, so, but other than that, I, I mean, I hope he's okay. Um, hopefully he can play golf again because I know his back has been a big issue for him. So I don't know if that's going to lead to other back issues to re-arise. Um, obviously he was conscious, like Kyle said. Um, the officers that first responded, at least from what I've heard so far, um. He was not impaired, impaired at all. It seemed like he was on any um, drugs or alcohol, so which was good. That he like he was conscious. It wasn't like if he was intoxicated and this impaired happened. Driving. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hopefully he heals up soon. Um, 
because considering the Masters is almost a month and a half away, I don't know if we'll see him that um, in Augusta. So we'll have to see, honestly, how this goes with his career because his career was actually just coming back. Um, Yeah. I heard something his uh, trainer came out and spoke today, I believe it was, and uh, he said that uh, Tiger was in a, I think, a three-month recovery process after having some minor surgeries, and he was already in week nine of that. So he's pretty much on the back end of that to the point where he could get ready for that. And now, obviously, with uh, injuries like this, as John's alluding to, was in surgery earlier and two broken legs. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's no shot that we see him play. And John uh, also says it appears that Woods hit a curve. I, yeah. We'll learn the later details. I was tuning in and out all day. This happened at 7 o'clock Western time, so West Coast time. So that's 10 o'clock here. So it was news throughout the entirety of the day, and obviously we'll hear more after these surgeries are done and in the latter part part of the week as well. But it seems like from what I'm hearing is that he, he, he's scheduled to recover from these injuries. Obviously, we don't know the severity of it, but yep. it doesn't sound like it's any life-altering injuries because, you know, two, two lower body, lower extremity leg area injuries in a major car accident like that, that could go really bad to the point where you may not be able to walk again. But not hearing anything along those lines is <laughs> a very good sign. Yeah, no, not either. And just a quick side note that um, it wasn't his personal car. Um, when I know this because I worked at the USGA when I was on Long Island. So just a quick side note, uh, give everybody a little background is when like Tiger Woods and big name players like Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, you know, all those big guys, they get sponsored cars. So I think the sponsorship was Genesis or whatnot. So yep. they get sponsored cars. So th- those cars are usually like brand new, just rolled off the line. Um, so I don't know if they'll look into that at all, see if there's any faulty stuff with that. So it wasn't his own personal car, so it, it was a, so that could also um, as well. Tom says two weeks in a row with the headwear. Kyle's wearing another hat. I got some lovely commentary over the course of the last couple of weeks. So well, I'm, Tom, I, I got a haircut. I mean, I'm yeah, just talking about James right now. I forgot to introduce that James in his haircut tonight. He's he's looking yeah. look at that cut. Look at that cut. It's a nice cut. I got it yesterday, okay. you know? Water with that thing. Look at that. And then uh, John Sucks of the Lakers are in trouble. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that a little later, yeah, John. We'll talk about the NBA in a little bit, John. But first off, we're going to talk about some NFL because the NFL had a, a bunch of different news outbreaks uh, periodically throughout the week, starting off with the biggest news. Um, Carson Wentz is now an Indianapolis Colt. Mm-hmm. Last week, uh, about four or five days ago, Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts. For a third-round pick this year in 2021 and a 2022 conditional second-round pick, the second-round pick can become a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays at least 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps this year. Now, I would assume that would be the case, as I don't believe that the the quarterback position is in any question for the Indianapolis Colts right now. So unless Carson Wentz is absolutely terrible – that's pretty much almost a guaranteed first-round pick for the Eagles in that case scenario. Now, James, we're going we're to spend a few minutes on this because there's – interesting. Wentz will still trash, in my opinion. Question, would you rather have Dak or Wentz? Mm. I'd ra- I rather have Dak, John. I'd rather have Dak because Dak has proved to me one of the few quarterbacks in this league that he could do a lot with a little. You know what I mean? Even though the offense is stacked – you look at the defense that he had in the beginning of the season, right, and the offensive line that he had in the beginning of the season. Dak Prescott was leading in almost every single category up until week five until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He was on a prove-it franchise tag, looking to get the big money, 
and would have gotten that money if he did complete the season, would have ran away with the NFC East as far as I'm concerned, no matter how bad that offensive line was or no matter how bad that defense was, you give Dallas a shot because you had Dak Prescott on your team. Dak Prescott, I think, has been one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Went 13-3 and in his first season. And then not that he slipped off in any which way, but that his teammates didn't necessarily come through for him at some points in time. You know, we saw Jason Witten retire. We saw the Des Bryant situation. Ezekiel Elliott got suspended for a little bit for the second half of one season uh, because of drug use or something like that. Or it was some sort of suspension where he missed some times and they wind up missing the playoffs by a game. Then you look at him holding out for a contract. That also cost him some games as well. The offensive line not being healthy. The defense being one of the worst defenses of all time in terms mm-hmm. of per game this season. I believe they average around 30 points given up per game. So with all that said, and what he was still able to do with this team, still managed to scrape together a couple wins in the five games that he did play. Very impressive. Very impressive. Now, what will he be after coming back from that ankle injury? I don't know. But if, you know, if it heals well, again, I say this and I say this number solely because I think that when it comes to a special athlete like him, I said it with Kevin Durant as well. If he comes back to 75% of what he was, he'll be just fine and dandy. You know, Dallas has plenty of draft capital to restock on the O-line. Guys will come back healthy. They'll bring back better defensive players as well, and they'll be fine. And Dallas will be competing for the division as far as I'm concerned next season. Uh, Wentz also did a lot with a little in 2019. You're absolutely right, John. Using guys like Greg Ward. uh, I don't believe Travis Fulgham was last year, but Greg Ward. uh, I know that they resorted to get uh, Dallas Goddard a lot last season as well, or the season prior to that. The thing with – here's the difference. And I, I know we're talking about Carson Wentz and, and Dak Prescott right now, so we'll talk about that for a little bit. But the difference what I see with him is that Dak never complained. Dak had every single reason to complain about this. He's been hated since day one of putting on that uniform, even by his own even by his own team owner. Yeah. Remember when Dak first came in, James, running a thirteen and three season, and yet there was still for some reason talk of Tony Romo coming back. Like why? Why is that even a conversation? This guy has been hated since day one, whereas Carson Wentz, he's kind of – he's been given the pass. He had the MVP caliber season but got hurt, and that's where he's faulted a little bit. But now you're hearing reports that he didn't get along with the head coach for – didn't talk at times eight to ten weeks with Doug Peterson. I mean, that that's not a team guy in my personal opinion. You know, the team invested money into you. They invested, what, $140 million or something along those lines, $120 million into you? That, that a lot of money that he probably didn't deserve. Uh, the least you could do is have some sort of respect and respondence to your coach, not because you necessarily agree with the decisions that he's making, but because of your teammates. Because I know for a fact you respect some of your teammates. Jason Kelsey, you got to respect that guy. That, that was the only guy protecting you all season long. And when you're showing that lackadaisical effort or you're not playing well or not playing up to that type of contract, I'm sorry, but that's where the falter goes on you. Yes, you didn't have as much. Yes, you had a lack of weapons. Yes, you didn't have necessarily the perfect situation, but you got paid to be that guy because you proved that you could be that guy and you didn't come through for your team. So I think that's where it comes down to the point. I know I've been rambling a lot, James. You take over. Listen, Wentz is going to flourish in a sense in um, Indianapolis only because he's had – he's has, he, no, why can't I speak? He has a better uh, – offensive line than he did at Philly. Um, he'll probably have better receivers than no-name receivers. I mean, some of his no-name receivers 
when they were doing well years past, we're doing pretty good. Um, I think it all it get, because it doesn't isn't Wentz friendly with either the head coach or somebody on the offensive. Yeah, Frank Wright. Staff. He used so, to be the offense coordinator with the Eagles, and now he's the head coach of the Colts. So the Colts. So by joining them two back together, it's only going to probably help and flourish Wentz's career um, by having good O line, having somebody he likes to work with, he's willing to work with. Um, for him, not talking to Doug Peterson, that well, that's just immature in my opinion. You get paid so much money, do your job, even though you don't like somebody, work with them. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you mostly have probably the same goal, especially in football, is to win games. Um, listen, Wentz, they gave up a lot for Wentz. I mean, isn't the Eagles still paying Wentz this this season? Good so, to get into that in a minute, yeah, they're absorbing thirty three million dollars of his contract. So let alone that they're, they're still tied into a quarterback that's not even playing on their team. It, it was just a bad thing all around. Wentz should have a better career. Well, a better, uh, yeah, a better career. And the Colts, I mean, I see what you're saying with Dak. Um, I'm going to pull up Tom's comment here. I agree with Dak. It's less of a nutcase than Wentz. Yeah, I agree. I give him the benefit of the doubt with the with the way they built around him with poor drafting, but Wentz's attitude is a problem. Yeah, Tom, like pretty much what I just said. Wentz's attitude is the problem. So maybe by him going back to a quarterback, I mean a head coach that he likes to work with, maybe that becomes less of a problem. Maybe going to a different city is going to benefit him. I don't know. We're, we're really going to have to see, let alone, is he going to stay healthy for the year? That's the question we got to ask each other. I think he will. I think he will. Because the thing in Philly is that it was a revolving door at every single offensive line position besides maybe the center um, this season. They had 14 different offensive lines in 16 different games. So not building any chemistry there due to obviously injury. Was missing Miles Sanders. Howie Roseman is a, missed on a lot of great players in years prior, like a DK Metcalf, uh, an A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. was on a Justin Jefferson and drafting Jalen Rager when Justin Jefferson – it, with the exception of Justin Herbert, would have won Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. Missed on a lot of guys. They had a lot of opportunity to draft. And, yes, they didn't necessarily surround him in the best situation, but that doesn't mean that's how you handle that situation after the amount of money that they've invested in. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the the right thing to do. Again, I understand his stature because, again, we don't know what went on. We'll never gonna, we're never going to know what went on. No. We're never going to know what went on in that organization because at the end of the day, you're paying Carson Wentz that type of money. I'm sorry. I don't think Doug Peterson had the final say on him not suiting up. He didn't even suit up in that Week 17 game against no, the he didn't. football team. So that that's not something that I don't think that Doug Peterson had any control over. I think that goes all the way up to the higher offices of Howie Roseman and, uh, and Lori. That's my personal opinion. You disagree with it? I think that's my personal that's my personal opinion. Hank, as a Giants fan, I wake up every day thankful Roseman is not my GM, no matter how well how we all f- may feel about DG for better or worse. Hank, I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree with you there because he has drafted very poorly. Whereas you switch sides over to the Colts uh, side of things, and Chris Ballard, the GM, since he stepped foot in that organization, he has drafted phenomenally every single year. Whether it was Darius Leonard, uh, Quentin Nelson, Malik Hooker. Yeah, free agency, bringing in an Xavier Rhodes who people thought was washed and played absolutely out of his mind this year. 
Justin Houston, bringing him over from Kansas City in the offseason a couple of years back. They've been fantastic. He's going to have a way better career, I think. Uh, and, and to be personally honest with you, I don't think any other team was really in on him besides the Colts because I don't think he can necessarily succeed with any other team but the Colts. He had his best mm-hmm. year with Frank Reich. That was when he was at his best. This is one of the best offensive lines in the in football, one of the mm-hmm. best defensive teams in football, top three defense in football, top five. Uh, plethora of receivers. You have a Michael Pittman Jr., Zach Pascal, uh, Jack Doyle at the tight end, Mo Alley-Cox. Uh, you know, whether or not you want to bring back a T.Y. Hilton or other guys to bring in, young guys in uh, – oh, the running back's name. Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Had a fantastic rookie season. Marlon Mack, I know he was hurt. Uh, he tore his ACL in week one. But if he comes back, that's a nice running back as well. Naheem Himes as well. I, it To me personally, I think it's almost impossible for him to fail in the situation that he's now placed in. So, James, that leads me to my next question in regards to this because we kind of got off track a little bit. Mm-hmm. On this trade right now, are the Eagles sitting here as winners today or are the Colts sitting here as winners today? You know, that's a great question because right now you could say the Eagles because they offloaded a boatload of money and got some draft picks back. But then I look at the other side, Indy could have won because if they just upgraded their quarterback, they have a great offensive line, they got great wide receivers, they got a good running back. It might take Indy from here to here. Yeah. Where the Eagles pretty much, I'm going to go to Tom's comment, with the way Eagles draft, they would take another quarterback. Tom, you're right. You're probably right. Is I don't know. The, they'll waste a draft pick on a quarterback. Right now, I'm seeing Indy winning. I think it, my decision on if you ask me during the season next year, yeah, um, I we'll, we'll see. But I see Indy winning this trade um, just because they got an upgrade in quarterback. Now, if he gets injured, I'm going to say, well, the Eagles probably won the trade. But I think we see how the season plays out ultimately. Yeah, I think that in a division now, which he's been traded to. Um... In the AFC South, there's really no competition there. I mean, the the Titans we saw have a plethora of holes that I don't know if they could fix within one offseason. The Jacksonville Jaguars are picking number one overall this year for a reason because they won one game all season long. And then you look at the Houston Texans, and they're a complete mess. So my personal opinion, I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to win the division, and I think potentially they even have the opportunity to run away with it because now, again, even if Carson wins, and I'm going to put this magical number out there again, if he's 75% of what we saw in that MVP season, they will go far. They will go far. And I believe maybe even maybe even to the AFC Championship game. Because the Colts are a team that we saw last year with Phillip Rivers, who only threw 20 touchdowns all season long. Again, uh, I go back to my statement in which I made uh, earlier in the playoffs. And James, I don't know if you remember it. Tom, listeners, viewers, I don't know if you remember it as well. But the Buffalo Bills didn't win that game against the Indianapolis Colts. They They – the Indianapolis Colts lost that game. Yeah. The Bills. That, that's, that. That's, that's my personal opinion of it. I think that would an upgrade over Wentz in there, over Phillip Rivers, because Phillip Rivers, as we see, he's retired because he's an older quarterback. He can't doesn't have the same stuff anymore. Wentz is still tapping into his prime. Uh, Daniel Blake, uh, Bakley in the comment section, Indy until next year when they have to resign Leonard and three of the five linemen, and it depends on uh, Hurts' plays. Well, 
Daniel, this is my statement towards that. It's that, you know, Indy has all the money in the world. That's why I feel like this was another perfect situation. Going into this offseason, they had 70, I want to say around $75 million in cap space. That was in the top five in terms of available payroll this offseason. Even with acquiring Wentz, you still have, what, $40 million left in the bank to pay guys. And you're only going to be offloading other players next year as well, who necessarily you don't need to bring back. They're in a good situation right now because of, their coach and Frank Reich and because of their GM and Chris Ballard. So I think that the Colts won this trade, James, I completely agree with you. Uh, I don't even think there's an argument because I think the Eagles set themselves back. I think they had their guy and because they drafted as poorly as they did, that's mm-hmm. blanket the fan, but uh, we'll see what happens, right? You know, yeah. you don't evaluate based on how the trade transpires when we hit the uh, actual season itself, but moving on. So, James, the Eagles also this week released Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, as you alluded to earlier, freeing up more of that cap. I don't know where that puts them at now. I know with Wentz on the books, they were at around 50. Wentz off the books, I think they were at like 42. Alshon and Deshaun off the books, that should probably put them around maybe 30, something like that. So there's still way over the payroll. But I expect yeah. to make some other moves as well. Look out for Zach Ertz. That's $12.5 million that could potentially be traded away this offseason. I think we will see that at some point especially because they are a team that already is as a stacked tight end core and a guy yeah. like Dallas Goddard as well, who's a secondary guy who could be a first tight end. So we'll see what happens there. But moving on, in other news, James, I just brought it up earlier, the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. So this is according to ESPN earlier. Deshaun Watson would reportedly approve trades to the Jets, Dolphins, and Panthers. So hmm. comment sections start blowing up. James and me are going to be talking about it for the next few minutes. Out of those three teams, Jets, Panthers, and the Dolphins, James. Yes. What is the team that you ultimately see getting this done? Whether it's the best package, whether it's actually going forth and pulling the trigger, because as far as all these teams are concerned in in my books, they all have quarterback issues, right? The Dolphins, you know, the fact that you had to switch in and out Fitzpatrick for Tua, Tua was a question mark. Teddy Bridgewater is not the long-term answer in Carolina. And Sam Darnold has been a question mark not only this year, but for the last couple of years of his career as well. So they all have the questions at the quarterback position. They all have difference in, differences in packages in which can be offered. But what team do you see, let me word it like this, is the most aggressive in terms of the pursuit of Deshaun Watson out of those three? So I just want to get to this comment. Uh, John Suggs heard Panthers going to offer two first-round picks and also McCaffrey for Watson. Um, I said that when we first started the show. That's been put in my head. Um, Dolphins, see, I don't know because the Dolphins, they're somewhat of a young team that I'd like to see what Tua can give this year, um, being fully healthy not coming off of the injury like he was out of college. Um, I mean, the Jets just have a boatload of money, and they got, what, the second draft pick? So realistically, if they wanted to, give them money in their second draft pick. Well, they'll give and there's them, your guy. They'll give, them, they'll give them picks. It'll be a plethora of picks the Jets will give, and maybe yeah. a player potentially, because I know that you know there's been so many different slews of trades potentially to happen. Um, I see the Panthers really getting this done. Um, I see the Panthers really getting this done because when I look at this team, I feel like they have the most to give back because Houston, not only are they going to want picks, they're going to want like 
legitimate starters as well. Yeah. And with the Jets, I don't see that on this roster right now. The only thing they have to give them is, you know, a higher draft pick as they do hold the number two overall pick, uh, whether that trade does include Sam or not. But they don't have the players to give. Uh, maybe if they include a Quentin Williams, but I don't know if you necessarily give up on that guy, considering that's probably your best player on defense at this point in time. Um, you look at the Dolphins as well. They have a stacked defense, but not really, you know, probably one of the better guys on there. They just signed Byron Jones last season. They're not getting rid of him. Xavier Howard had a 10 interception season, so they're not getting rid of him. The defensive front, not too many stout guys on there. Uh, the secondary safeties and linebackers positions as well. And the offense as well doesn't necessarily have the most notorious big-name guys on theirs either. So when I look at the Panthers, the Panthers have a lot to give in terms of giving up the eighth overall pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, that's that's a top three running back in the NFL right now, if not a top two, if not the number one running back in football right now when healthy in terms yeah. of the possibility that he brings to the table, the Swiss, uh, the Swiss Army knife that he is. Uh, trading him now would trigger a $17.2 million cap charge with Watson making only $10.54 million in 2021. McCaffrey would actually chew up $6.66 million more cap space than Watson next season. That's also a big factor, John, but you know, for an extra $6 million in cap space, Houston has bigger problems to worry about in terms of actually getting fans in the stands. You lose a player like Watson. You already lost a player in Watt. Mm-hmm. Will the free agent. They don't have anybody left to get fans back in the stands. So they're going to need something there, whether that means biting the bullet on some cap. So the Panthers would take another $10 million cap charge for trading Teddy Bridgewater before June 2nd. That's $27.2 million in dead cap money tied to trading for Watson. Again, it's all about what a team is willing to let, – let me ask, would you do that for Watson? I'd do that and more for Watson. He's proven that he's a top four, top five quarterback in the NFL today. He, he, he's won four games this season, which is not a lot, but look at the situation that he was in. Worst offensive line in football, mm-hmm. worst defense in football. Basically no receivers with the exception of Brandon Cooks. I know people are going to say Will Fuller, but Will, Will Fuller missed half the season due to a PED suspension. Yeah, that's uh, true. An aging David Johnson, no tight end. Horrible, horrible coaching situation. Horrible executive, CEO, presidency, ownership situation as we all see them resigning at the minute. And, and the guys still managed to scrap together four wins, and I think he led the league in passing this year and finished off the season with 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So I'll take that guy on my team if it means buying yeah. a bullet on some more cap. But uh, to get back on track a little bit, uh, I would say the Panthers. They're, I think they're the most aggressive right now. They're releasing mm-hmm. a bunch of players to make that room to do so for him. It's just a matter of, you know, Nick Casario actually, you know, just saying, you know, Watson, we, you know, we wanted to have you here. You obviously don't want to be here. We don't think that you're going to play for us ever again. And my personal opinion is I don't think that he's ever going to suit up in a Texans uniform again. So why are we wasting away paying you $40 million to sit out when we could get back, something back in return? So my personal opinion is he's going to go to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, will that look like a trade with John just pulled up two first round picks in Christian McCaffrey? Personally, John, I think it's going to take a little more. I think it's going to take a little more, whether that's more players or some more picks. I think it's going to be a little more, even though that already seems like a lot. I think it's going to be a little more, but I think the Panthers pulled the trigger and get it done. His last comment. But what team would go further with Watson? I say Dolphins because, like you said, Panthers don't have any wide receivers, offensive line, 
No, I didn't say the Panthers, John. I said the Texans. The Texans don't have an offensive line. The Texans don't have any receivers. The Panthers, you got a nice DJ Moore down there. Robbie Anderson has been really good. You know, whether or not you draft a tight end this year or whether you choose to sign one in the offseason, maybe trade for uh, a Zach Ertz. I know Hunter Henry's a free agent as well, and it looks like the Chargers will not be bringing him back. You know, you got a young, good offensive-minded coach there in Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Developed some good things. They drafted heavily on defense last year, and we saw that it's it's worked out for the most part. Uh, Brian Burns is fantastic. Uh, their secondary needs to get a little better. Yeah, but, but that's because they were young. I think that they instantly be in a better situation. John, maybe to answer your question, maybe they maybe they're not in the best position this year. I think they're still one of the top teams in the league if that happens. But in a year, another year or two, then they're in the best position in football. Look at that division, John. You have. Matt Ryan, what's his future with the Falcons? Tom Brady, even though we joke he's going to play till 50, you know, when is he going to call it up? He's only yeah. one year remaining on his contract. And Drew Brees is pretty much retired as far as everybody else is concerned. So they would easily rule that division. Keep in mind, the longer this goes, the less the package. Hmm. I mean, I guess, uh, Sal, uh, it's tough. I think, in fact, that, I think it'd be more. I think it'd be more. And I think that's what the Texans are waiting on. I think that's part of the plot. That's part of the scheme. You wait up until the very last minute till the draft, and that's when some – I'm not going to say sucker of a team, but some team is going to give a little more than they should have given because they feel so urged to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Like like a Carolina, for instance, right? You're in the draft. You're on the clock, right? You have that eighth overall pick. Is a, is a wide receiver, a defensive player, is a, a Kyle Pitts going to be worth it and you holding on to a Teddy Bridgewater for the one remaining year left on his contract versus having Deshaun Watson on your squad? I don't think so. I think if you wait further down to you know, that point in April, that's going to get you something bigger because some team is going to do something that they probably shouldn't have done or that after you say that, even though they're getting Deshaun Watson in return, you're going to have to say to yourself, was that a little too much maybe for this guy? You know, all, in fact, we might already be settled and said that that might have been a little too much based on what we've been discussing the last month and a half, two months about Deshaun Watson. Everybody's putting up, you know, scenario trades, all these mm-hmm. things that you would have to give up. We already necessarily know what teams would be giving. We just got to base it off of what team actually executes the trade. And then we know if it's too much or not. Yeah. Personally, I don't know the market because again, I think Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in football. And knowing that the quarterback is the most important position in sports, I don't care what anybody says. You do whatever you got to do to get that quarterback on your team because you know that's guaranteed. Prime of his career, locked up for a long time, only 25, 26. And you put him on a solid Panther squad, I can guarantee you this. They're one of the top three, top four teams in the NFC. And I I tell you this, they run, they'd run Tampa for their money a little bit in that division as well. So – I think it'd be worth it. But that was a, James, that was a really long time on Deshaun Watts. But we said we were going to talk about him for a while. But to yeah. quickly wrap up the NFL segment here. So Aaron Jones, Green Bay running back, and the Miami Dolphins have some mutual interest in each other. And Interesting. Personally, I think that'd be a nice little team, nice little fit for him to be on. That's one of the only things that they didn't necessarily have at strength last year. I know they worked in uh, a mod in there a little bit when uh, Miles Gaskin was hurt. They didn't necessarily have starting running back, kind of a revolving door a little bit. That'd be a great pickup for them. And lastly, in the NFL, 
So I'm actually going to read this off, just a little quote that I heard about a half an hour ago about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, or uh, Big Ben's free agent, Ryan Tolner, uh, said this in regards to Big Ben coming back to the Steelers this year. So he said, they want the Steelers. They want Ben back and will contact me soon to address his cap situation. As we've shared since the end, since the season ended, we are happy to creatively, uh, creatively adjust his contract to help them build the best team possible. A year ago, Ben wasn't sure if he could throw again, but he battled back to get 12 wins and the eighth division title of his career. They lost steam down the stretch, and that doesn't sit well for him. So the fire burns strong, and there's plenty of gas left in the tank. So Big Ben will be a Steeler in 2021. I don't think that was really ever in question, considering what they're paying him. It's just a matter of how much will he negotiate to so that they're able to remain competitive for potentially the last season of his career. But James, Mm -hmm. on that note, that'll do it for the remainder of this NFL segment. And now we're going to jump right into the NBA. So breaking news in the NBA, Kyle's not so happy, but some breaking news in the NBA, the all-star reserves have been announced for both, both the Western and Eastern conference teams. Why aren't you happy? Now we'll get into that in a minute, buddy. Don't try. Uh, So the Western conference team, we're going to start off with them first. So, obviously, the starters came out last week, and the starters of those teams were, uh, for the West, it was Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, uh, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. So, now the Western Conference uh, reserves have been named Chris Paul, mm-hmm. no-brainer, Paul George, no-brainer, Damian Lillard, no-brainer, Donovan Mitchell, no problem with it, Rudy Gobert, no problem with it, Zion Williamson. Didn't expect it, but love to see it. Was happy for him. And Anthony Davis. The thing with Anthony Davis is he will be replaced as he will not be playing, obviously because of that injury they suffered a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. He will probably be replaced. Some of the names that have already come out are Devin Booker potentially from the Phoenix Suns as well or potentially DeMar DeRozan from the San Antonio Spurs. So watch out for those names because those are some of the names to potentially be elected in place of Anthony Davis. Now to the Eastern Conference, James. So the Eastern Conference, the starters, we know that already. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Now the reserves have been named. James Harden, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic, and New York Nick, Julius Randle. Very, very pleased to say that. I'll I'll tell you. I I know that I'm going to be talking about some snubs a little bit right now, but very pleased to see that Julius Randle did make this team. Very pleased to see that he made this team, averaging around 23 points per game and 11, uh, 11 rebounds this year. Very happy with that decision. John, up in the comment section, I think both teams are more equally talented this year, in my opinion. Uh, Rosen, DeRozan, yeah. DeRozan will replace AD, in my opinion. Yep, John, I agree with you. I think that'll happen. I think Devin Booker's kind of had a little bit of a down year. Um, I think that DeRozan will be elected in there. But, James, the problem that I mm-hmm. have, I don't have any problem with the Western Conference. The Western Conference is fine. I figured. Yeah, the Eastern Conference. Well, wait, wait, the Eastern Conference. Knicks, Nets, not the Heat, not the Heat. Where's your your Heat guys? You're asking me. And this is not me being biased when I talk about this. Don't don't get it misconstrued. Jimmy Butler only played 18, 19 games this season. I I don't think he played enough to be an all-star. Bam Adebayo. Mm -hmm. That's where I question you. Why was Bam Adebayo not elected to the All-Star game? 
He's played almost 30 games this season, 34 minutes per game, mm-hmm. almost averaging 20 and 10 with five and a half assists, one block. Okay. Averaging 57% from the field, 85% from the free throw. Those are incredible numbers. And right now, if the season was to end today, Miami is in the play-ins. Nikola Vucevic, and this is no knock against him. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic player. And he did have a little bit better numbers. A little bit mm-hmm. better numbers. He averages 24 points per game, 11 rebounds. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit. The difference is, and why I'm upset about this, is because this is how I view All-Stars. And this is what's – it's been so hard over the course of the last couple of years especially, right? Even last year. Mm-hmm. I'll bring up last year. Bradley Beal somehow didn't make the All-Star team last year, and that man was averaging almost 30-something points per game. Mm-hmm. Now this year they finally respected him and not only made him an All-Star, but he's a starter, now leading the league in points per game. Mm-hmm. I view All-Star as this. If I take you off this team, how bad? They're not bringing you. You're right. It's a great one, Tom. Yeah. They're not. Um, how good would this team be without you? And with the Orlando Magic, again, would they be worse without Nikola Vucevic? Absolutely. But James, they're a terrible team with them. They're, mm-hmm. they're one of the worst teams, not only in the Eastern Conference, but one of the worst teams in the league, only in front of the Washington Wizards in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland, and Detroit. Mm-hmm. All of which those teams are on a complete cluster right now. Especially mm-hmm. Detroit, especially Washington, even though they've been on a five-game win streak. Miami was missing a plethora, a slew of players mm-hmm. in COVID-19, whether it was Tyler Hero, Avery Bradley, losing Myers Leonard for the year, Jimmy Butler for 10, 11 games. Bam Adebayo was pretty much the only healthy starter for 10-plus games and has kept them relevant during that time. That's what an all-star is to me. Because if Mm -hmm. Bam Adebayo is not there, even though they don't have a great record, they're 14 and 17. They are at the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now if he's not there. That's my personal opinion. That's how I define all-star. And if you don't agree with me and you think it's biased with Bam out of bio opinion for the switch of Nikola Vucevic, and don't get me wrong, Vucevic is a fantastic player. In fact, I think you put him on almost any single NBA team besides the Orlando Magic, and he gets more respect for the play that he does have. But because it's the Magic, he doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves. This was another name that I, I don't understand how did not get put on here. The Montes Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers. Now, this guy has been – yep, there we go. Yep. There we go. John, you, beautiful, beautiful timing. DeMontis Sabonis is the first player in NBA history to average 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and not make the All-Star game. John took the words right out of my mouth. Indiana doesn't have stars. They have a lot of great players. But if I was to name the leader of that team, the star of that mm-hmm. team, it's DeMontis Sabonis. To be exact, 21.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, almost 6 rebounds, uh, 6 assists. Mm-hmm. One steal per game doesn't really turn the ball over. Over fifty percent from the field, seventy-one percent from the free throw line, thirty-six percent for three for a big man, which is pretty impressive. This guy is leading the Indiana Pacers right now in you know a pretty tight Eastern Conference. He's right now leading them as the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. This guy is in the play. Yeah. This guy is in the playoffs, and he's not in the All Star game. But yet, the Orlando Magic. And Nikola Vucevic is making it. I am a big Zach Levine fan. He's been absolutely blowing it up. 
Chicago's not a good team. They're not. They're the eighth seed right now in the East. But in terms of having DeMontis bonus in there, it's no question. DeMontis Shabonis should be in there. If you if you don't want to take my belief on Bam and Abayo, fine. DeMontis Shabonis should be in there. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. I, I think that they, personally, those two names are the biggest snubs in the Eastern Conference for me. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe more so on the Sabonis comment, but that's my personal opinion. That's my personal take. Now, I, I understand that to get into the All-Star game, it's a player vote, a fan vote, and a media vote. Is that correct? Yeah. So the that's a lot of that that's a lot of three different groups voting. Yeah. What I don't what well I guess I understand. I guess it depends on how big your team is. Because you could be an all-star on that team, but if people don't know your name, they're not going to vote you in. And they're also going it, to – it's a to be honest, it's a popularity contest, in my opinion. This is my opinion, and if somebody has an argue with me, go yeah. ahead. You're but right. it's – it's okay, Kevin Durant, yeah, it makes sense. He's on Brooklyn. He's been in on the news pretty much every other week. James Harden, he comes over to Brooklyn. Look what he's doing. He, he deserves that. He, he's, he's phenomenal. From coming over, then um, Ju- Julius Randle, right from the Knicks. Yeah, he. We've seen him time after time. Lately, he's been putting up numbers. He's been doing a lot for this team. He's made them relevant, in which yeah, he, you didn't even think they were going to be relevant. So yeah, I, I think I was. I predict twelve games, and they're what like fifteen wins or something now. Yeah, fifteen wins, something like that. So it, it's all a popularity contest, and in my opinion, that is like it, it's ridiculous. Because it's like if you don't, if somebody doesn't know your name, it's like to be honest, it's like high school, right? When you, when you're a senior, you get you get a whole list of who you think should be in what senior category, yada yada yada, right? Who's the funniest? Who, who's the smartest? Who's the goofiest? Who's the hottest? Who's the who who wears the nicest clothes? Who has the nicest? You know all that little stuff. Yeah. To be honest, it's a popularity contest. And we should know pretty much every year who the top guys are going to be. I like to see like the uh, Julius Randle from the Knicks. He's made the Knicks relevant. I would like to see more players like that instead of having it more of a popularity contest. Because at the end of the get, at the end of the day, you're pretty much watching last year's All Star game again and again. Just with, just with it, like James Harden, right? Instead of being on the Rockets, he's now on the Knicks on the Nets. So yeah. he's wearing a different jersey. Yeah, but listen, that that's because, you know, stars are the stars and you know, it's not a popularity contest, you know, when you're putting up what triple doubles every single night, it's it's oh, it's well, warranted to be elected. Oh, 100% it's warranted, but it's it's the fact that some of these guys in sitting in 8th place in their own division that you just mentioned isn't getting named. Yeah, like Sabonis being fourth seed in the Eastern Conference and somehow is not being named an All-Star after making it last year too, which to me, doesn't make sense how he couldn't get elected this year either. So, yeah, very, very interesting topic of discussion. You know, it will be debated, and we'll see what happens because I know that Ben Simmons is, I think he's sick right now or, he, or he's injured right now, so he might be replaced potentially. I know that Anthony Davis definitely will be, but we'll see what ha- happens. Those are the all-star teams for you guys. Let us know what you think. If anybody got snubbed, if anybody think that you got left off or who you would have liked to see in there, make sure to comment in the comment section as well. 
James, obviously living in New York, we've got to talk about some New York basketball just for just for a couple minutes. Of course. So tonight, fun stuff, man. Fun stuff. Almost right. the year. Almost the year, James. Yep. In, in Madison Square Garden. I believe the last time was an attorney. Uh, St. John's against Creighton. I think they played when remember they weren't supposed to play. They kind of played anyway and cut the game in half, right? Right oh, half. yeah, it was it was that weird day where everybody was like, do we play? Do we not play? Do we live our normal lives or do we just stay home? And Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So New York Knicks, starting actually right now, will face off against the Golden State Warriors in MSG, right? and they will have fans in attendance. Yep. A beautiful thing to see. As you know, just a couple months ago, we didn't know where the world was going to stand and already taking the baby steps back towards uh, – normality so good things to see good things to see the knicks are four and one mm-hmm. in the last five games winning a couple good games you know they they beat a team in houston beat a team in atlanta lost a bad game to orlando late in the game so that wasn't good but the knicks like we just alluded to they've had a great season 15 and 16 in which a year in which we didn't think they were going to be relevant at all picking at the top once again and it's not looking like that it looking it's looking like on this route they will be a playoff team that I'm not going to say is going to be NBA championship contention, but they will be competing for a playoff spot in this year's season. Now, moving on to Brooklyn. James, we've run out of words to describe what Brooklyn has assembled. A monstrous, dominant, phenomenal, excellent, scary. Brooklyn crosses off all those categories. They are on a... Six-game win streak is the end of tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Kevin Durant has been out for almost all these games. Uh, Nets playing some serious team defense, all without the big three on the court. Together, yet five West Coast teams handled. Yes, I'll just get into that. Uh, not just West Coast teams, they handled Indiana to start them off as well in this win streak, the six-game win streak. Uh, crushing Golden State, beating Sacramento, uh, Sacramento handsomely, beating Phoenix beating the Lakers by double digits and beating the Clippers once again. They dominated the Clippers this year. Wow. Um, they've been fantastic. They, they've been nothing short of fantastic. And I knew that. And listen, a lot of people knew that they were going to be great. Mm-hmm. A lot of people knew they were going to be great. I was rooting for them. I knew they were going to be great. It was just a matter of defense. And like Sal alluded to, they figured that out. They're, they're playing – I'm not going to say great. They're playing better team defense. Even in these wins, they're giving up a tremendous amount of points. They're giving up 125 points to the Sacramento Kings. That's not cool. I'm sorry. You're giving yeah. up 124 points to the Phoenix Suns. That's not really that great either. Uh, 117 points to the Golden State Warriors where, yes, Steph Curry's there, but that's really it at, that, at this point in time. You need to get a little better on defense because, again, in a four-game – in a seven-game series – can you do this every single night? Offensively, yes. Uh, Nets is Tampa, Bay, Tampa 2.0. First year with some stars on one team. They might actually win it all. John, I think they are going to win it all. Mark it down February 23rd. 23rd. Seven forty-seven are going to win the NBA championship. They're going to win the NBA championship. Yep. There's nobody. There is absolutely, and let me make this clear. There is absolutely zero, zero teams in the Eastern Conference that will even force a Game 7, I think. There are zero. Maybe, maybe a Game 6. I think that's even a stretch. 
There are mm-hmm. zero teams that are beating them in the Eastern Conference. It's not happening. The Western Conference, the only team I see, teams I see, the Lakers, and that's only if Anthony Davis is healthy, which is a big question mark again, because, you know, something that a lot of people have brought up, I've read a decent amount into it. Anthony Davis had the same thing that Kevin Durant had in Gold State. And yes, Kevin Durant came back a little earlier than he probably should have, but it's all connected, right? Your ligaments are all connected, especially in the leg area. And that's what ultimately led to the tearing of his Achilles. And when you already have tendonitis, which Anthony Davis has, a calf strain, which is all connected to his Achilles, mm-hmm. rupture that at any moment, especially if he's going hard, which he will have to in the playoffs. And he will be assumingly coming back this season as well. So we'll see what happens. And the Clippers, again, they're beating the Clippers without Kevin Durant. So there's no team in the East that will beat them. And the Western Conference, I don't think, will be that much of a struggle, to be honest with you either. I think they will win the championship this year. Yeah, I mean, they've been looking good. They get fans back in, I think, tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, no, they play tonight, right? They might yeah, play tonight. Playing right yeah. now. And I think they have 300 fans tonight, something like that. Yeah, I think tonight was um, was like the test run before they hit whatever their 10% comes out to be. Yeah, they're doing they're doing 300 tonight. I know the Knicks are doing around 1,000, 2,000, but I know that uh, Brooklyn is doing around 300 fans. Yeah, but nobody's nobody's beating Brooklyn on that note. Some other NBA news: uh, Demarcus Cousins has been released from the Rockets. Let's think of some teams that'll be interested, James. So, some teams that come to mind: I'm thinking, I'm thinking Clippers, Lakers. I'm thinking Nets. I've heard Miami in the discussion a little bit. Again, if I'm Demarcus, if a team has interest in me, I'm joining a contender. Yeah, NBA championship. I don't. When I think a lot of, I think a lot of either basketball terminology or just watching it gets confused when we talk about the the Nets a little bit, and sometimes I catch myself as well confusing it a little bit. Mm. Where the Nets have a problem, yes, the defense is bad, but I think their bigger problem is rebounding. They can't rebound for the life of them. They need to be better at that. And how do you do that? You add big men to your team. They don't necessarily have that. They have DeAndre Jordan. That's really it. I know that they're running Jeff Green in there a little bit, but that's really it. They need to get bigger. They need to get bigger. Now, will they come with DeMarcus Cousins? Maybe. For some nice role player minutes off the bench, maybe 15 minutes a game. Grab some boards off the bench so DeAndre can catch his breath. Does that mean more minutes potentially if you go to the Lakers? Especially because Boogie was on the Lakers just a couple seasons ago. I think it was last year. So he knows Anthony Davis will be out, you know, we don't even know how long. So they definitely do need help at the big man position. That versatile big, which DeMarcus Cousins is as well as we've seen in the past. So they Mm -hmm. can definitely lose him. As well as the Clippers. Because Zubac is good as a center, but I think that DeMarcus Cousins is a nice little upgrade. Not that I think that he'd get the start, but as a backup potentially in there as well. Those are some of the teams that I'd look out for. Um especially being title contenders. Those are teams that should have interest. They do have open roster spots as well. So those are teams that I'd look out for uh, over the next coming weeks, especially as the trade deadline approaches, which will be happening in the next couple of weeks as well. So we'll see what happens with DeMarcus. But James, any what do you think? What team is DeMarcus on in the next couple of weeks if he gets signed? Who are you, who are you picking? Who is he signing with? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets make a run at him, but 
I mean, uh, I could see the Lakers. I could see him joining LeBron, going over there, enjoying the nice sunny weather, um, knowing that pretty much most of the time uh, the calls will be favored towards you. Um, <laughs> a, a little thing, a little, a little. Uh, yep, uh, your call. The calls will be favored towards you most likely. So he could go there. Um, I would see the the Lakers and the Nets because those are probably the two most contending teams. I mean the the Heat, but I don't know if the Heat has any uh, need. Um, Tom does. Bucks need a big man, but are the Bucks going to go far this season? That, that's the question. I don't know because the Bucks don't really look good either. They uh, they're on a two game win streak right now, but against really bad teams. Um, I know they were on a five game losing streak just uh, last week, so. They they do need a backup big, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Something definitely happens in the next couple of weeks. And lastly, and this broke out today, a little surprised by this actually. Uh Kristaps Porzingis is apparently on the trade market. Apparently on the trade market. Mark Cuban says no, but according to SNY Ian Begley, he reported that. The Mavericks actually called up the Golden State Warriors and see what they could get for Kristaps Porzingis. Um, Interesting. That's a trusted source, at least as far as I'm concerned. That's a trusted source. So where there's smoke, there's fire. So I guess now we learn, right? New York, maybe it wasn't the Knicks. Maybe it was just Kristaps because he's a he's yeah. a unique player. Although he's very good, he's very versatile. He's very thin. He's very lightweight. He never really got that muscle, that weight underneath him, and that's why he got hurt all the time. And after that ACL injury, he never really was the same. And he's really not mixing that well either with Luka. And I think that's also a factor. That Probably is. And him being moved. Now, where does he get traded? That's a question for another day. Is Again, he's just such an interesting player. I don't know necessarily where he does fit in a good system. So we'll see what happens there. I don't know if he's going to be traded at the deadline, but I would not be surprised as the Dallas Mavericks are looking to make a run for this playoff stance now as they were one of the worst teams in the entire league. Just a week or two ago, they're working themselves back into the ninth seed right now in the Western Conference. So yeah. we'll see what happens with that. And James, any final word on this NBA segment before we move on? Uh, some of your Heat guys should have been in there for the All-Star break. Um, it should it should be interesting to come, come down to the wire um, for the Nets, for the Knicks especially. Do the Knicks make some noise? Heading into the second half of the season, are they able to keep up? Are they able to win, say, another – I'll push another 10 games, so bring it to, what, 25 games? Could they do it? Can they win another 25 or just win I, I, Win 25 games. No, oh, James, they'll finish more past that. That's only another 10 wins away. Man, you really good, man. They prove you wrong, and then you try to – Hey, listen, as long as they keep getting wins and I'm – being proved wrong that maybe that's the motive behind it. Maybe I talk to them on the side. Maybe when we're done with the show, I have a call with the Knicks. Why know? Julius Randle's? That's why he's an All Star because you keep on motivating him with your words oh. and activity. Yeah. But anyway, um, we're going to move on now. We're going to talk some NHL right now. Um, so obviously some of the biggest news, and you know we're not necessarily going to get into it that much because nobody. It's not just us. Nobody really knows the the real truth or what exactly is happening because it all happened so fast. Um, Artemi Panarin is taking a leave of absence from the New York Rangers. Uh, there's no timetable on his return. If you were to ask me, I don't know if he's going to return this season. 
uh, after what transpired. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that's really it. I, it's 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 a definitely a scary situation for those of you that read into James. I I assume and think that you've read yep. into it a little bit as well. Yeah, I read into it. I was like, okay. It's been all over the news the last couple of days. Um, definitely some scary things uh, to have to just pick up like that. Uh, figure out his family situation as well. Uh, but the league backs him. The league supports him. The Rangers said nothing but nice things and support him so that you know that they got his back. Uh, yes, Sal's got a comment in the com- comment section. Panarin's been politically pressured because of his outspokenness against uh, Putin. Yeah. Uh, apparently he was, he was backing, uh, he was backing somebody else who was running like an anti-Putin, uh, campaign was vocal about that about a month ago. And one of his former coaches, um, had, I don't want to say made up a story because again, we don't know yet, but yeah, had released a story that back in 2011, when Panarin was still a teenager, 19 or 18 years old, he beat up a girl in a bar who's also 18 years old. Um, and now obviously, you know, not knowing the situation government stance, you know, uh, is potentially a serious offense, uh, disrespecting a government leader like that. Uh, it's definitely a very scary situation. Uh, having yeah. nothing to even do with hockey guys, because this is, this is beyond hockey, but yeah, definitely a scary situation. Hope, hope all is well with Panarin, no matter what the outcome is. Cause I mean, the whole life turned upside down within a matter of minutes. So uh, hopefully he comes back. Hopefully he comes back this season for Ranger fans' sake and hope because, I, you know, based on how they were playing, I don't know if they could make the playoffs if he's not there uh, unless some guys step up. I don't think that they could make the playoffs if he's not there. But we'll yeah. see what happens. We'll see what happens. But we'll talk about him a little bit and what they've done and potentially what they are going to do uh, in his placement. Well, go with Jazz. We have to. We have to. We have to plan for. No, the- no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying that. Of course, we yeah. have to. They're, they're a New York team. They're they won. I think on Saturday. I think they won the last few games in a row. To be honest with you. Yeah, they won the last two games. So they were on a they were on a four game skid. Uh, they beat Philadelphia last Thursday in a three to two victory. Yep. And then they absolutely crushed Washington on Saturday in a four yeah. victory. And they have a little break here. They return tomorrow night. In Philadelphia. But they got their guys putting together some stuff, right? James, we've been talking about it pretty much since the season started that, you know, these guys have to step up and they weren't necessarily doing that. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere got a second goal in the season, Mm -hmm. put up the Rangers 2 0 in that Washington game in the second period. And then even though it was an empty net goal, you know, because Avenger gets a second goal of the season as well. Yeah. These are the guys that are going to have to step up tremendously. They're going to have to step up tremendously whether they like it or not, or especially a guy in, you know, a guy that I look at specifically, Lafreniere is going to have to be the guy mm-hmm. that has to sadly take a massive step. Mm-hmm. And not sadly, but he's going to have to take that massive, massive step and potentially even replace Panarin in those minutes because I don't even know who replaces him with those minutes now at the winger position because – I know that a lot of Ranger fans in which I've been talking to absolutely despise that Quinn has been a guy that's not really built any chemistry with the lines in which he's established. And now losing a guy in, you know, your cornerstone star piece in which, you know, all the money in the world, uh, 
given to him to be that guy, and he has been that guy. Top line needs to be Lafreniere, Mika, and Capo. Again, that's just such a – it's not a questionable line, but it's such a young and youthful line that necessarily hasn't transitioned that well, especially a guy in Capo. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't – not really taking that step yet. He's looked decent, not really transitioning into goals or assists yet or points. He's looked decent. And Lafreniere, again, even though he was the number one overall pick, he's not necessarily transitioning like that at this moment so far. Yeah, I don't know if that lot, that top line needs a veteran in there to kind of help the transition period. I know that the Rangers are a pretty young team where they may not have many experienced veterans, but I know that having veterans on a line with a young group of people, uh, young kids, might be able to help them kind of understand or help them play together. Someone that they could look to, like, in a sense, be like, well, we're doing this, right? And then obviously play changes, whatnot, but have a veteran guy on that line to kind of lead the younger guys might be helpful. Um, Sal with another comment, they are not winning this year, guys. Let them learn. I so agree. I'm in, I'm in complete agreement with you. The This is the only thing which nobody talks about ever, right? If you're a coach, right, like David Quinn is, ultimately has no, I think, no floor to stand on right now. He's already – the fans are already calling for his head. Sal, you know this as a Ranger fan. Fans are already calling for his head. This is going to be a guy now that's going to have to put out not necessarily the best line but the most experienced lines out there because the most experienced lines are going to be the ones that give him the best chance to win, mm-hmm. not necessarily the younger guys. Now, is that going to work well? Maybe not, but maybe better than the younger lines as they are extremely inexperienced. Why? Because now this guy for the next – what are they about? 20-something games in, James, something like that. Something like that. 30-something games, he's going to need to scrape together every single win possible so that he is able to withstand a career as a coach in the NHL. Because I don't know if if, if he starts going on a massive losing streak again. Because what saved them was, what were those two wins? If they did not, if they got creamed by Philly and Washington, it was that, that stove was going to start heating up tremendously. If he didn't win those games, it was going to start heating up. Now he starts going on another losing streak again, which I'm not going to say it's going to happen. But again, when you're losing a guy in Panarin who already had, what, 20-something points on the season? Something like that. You're not really in a good position when you're replacing him with guys that combined didn't even have seven points on the season. So, Yeah, that that doesn't work out as a head coach. And also that he has to realize that he he's pretty much fighting for his job. He has to let his players know that if his players want to back him in any way possible on the ice. Well, but, no, it's not, it's not a matter of that. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, again, what I always look back to is this, is that if I didn't hire you, I don't necessarily know if I have an affiliation towards you. Now, John Davidson has been outspoken and loves David Quinn, but, again, he didn't hire him. So at the end of the season, is he going to be the guy? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, I see that. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. There's plenty of time left in the season. We could be taking this completely out of proportion, and Panarin could be back. Soon, but the way things were sounding, it doesn't sound like he's going to be returning very soon, or especially in a shortened season, maybe not even at all this season. Uh, Sal, in the comment section, one last thing before we move on to the Islanders, James, I'll give you a different spin. When Panarin is on the ice, they all look to pass to him. Yeah, now you're missing that piece. Because yeah. he, he's your main goal scorer, in a sense. He's missing. He, he's the only guy, and Sal, you could attest to this as well, that's had pretty much any success this season on the Rangers yeah. squad. Uh, maybe I know Hedl got hurt early. I know that 
Keandre Miller looks great defensively when he's out there, but I know that he was hurt a little bit as well. But in terms of putting up points, Panarin's been really the only constant on this team. And now not having that necessarily aggressive player or star player on there, especially the way that Mika is playing. Because if Mika wasn't playing as poorly as he has been, I don't. I wouldn't be as concerned. But knowing that there's really no offense now with this team, I just I don't know who they go to at this point. It's going to be truly uh, a team based on kid lineups and experimental lineups potentially for a while now. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And next man steps up. You're absolutely right, James. That's been a, that's been a storyline with this Ranger team. They've been hit with the injury bug significantly. But yeah. we'll see what happens. We're going to move on to the Islanders right now, James. The Islanders have had a decent amount of success this season. They, they have. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it. I've said it a million times. They needed that COVID tracing stint. They, they really did because they were able to get this stuff together rather quickly right after it happened. They were able to okay. win four of their five ga- uh, five nice. or six games after that. They did go on a two-game losing streak to the Penguins yep. uh, in Pittsburgh, but then they beat Buffalo the other night. Uh, a, goal last, uh, a goal last night, J.G. Pajot, who's looked very good this season, uh, really coming into his own. Uh, I believe is – I don't want to say the wrong number. I'm going to look it up real quick. J.G. Pajot, 11 points on the season right now in 18 games, 32 hits. It's pretty decent numbers for J.G. Yeah. They have a bunch of other guys stepping up as well. I know Everlays look great. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom has looked great this season as well. Uh, Nelson. Nelson. Matt Martin stepped up goal-wise as well. They've had a lot of guys step up. They've had a lot of success this season with a lot of guys that I wouldn't say aren't household names, but they've had a lot of success with what they've built. They've built chemistry with this team. Yeah. And that can't be explained enough. What the Islanders are right now for, for our basketball listeners, you see what's happening with the Utah Jazz? That's what the Islanders are. That's what they are. They don't they don't have the the even though Donovan Mitchell, uh, I'm a big fan of him. I don't think he gets necessarily put on the same statures or same level or same pedestal as some of these other guys that we talk about in the NBA that are star, star, stars. That's the same thing with the Islanders, right? That's mm-hmm. the same thing with the Islanders. But yet, they still compete. They're, they're still, they're still they're, they're tied for second right now with the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference with 21 points. Only three points behind Boston. And I'm right here in the comment section. Uh, Sal, I know you are both Islander fans. Do you believe this team can win the cup without a move? I just don't know, Sal, necessarily what you do to improve this team. Uh, to be honest with you, and this is not well, me being any biased in any sense of form, but their goaltending situation is not bad. Their defense is not bad. And the offensive weapons that they have out there are not bad. The only problem with this team is that you could see that sometimes they could go on a streak where they're just absolutely flat offensively. Yeah. Trade is not going to help that. You just have to make sure that your team is disciplined enough and shows up on every single night. And that's what we saw in the playoffs. They showed up every single night. The reason why they didn't represent the Eastern Conference uh, in the finals, in the Stanley Cup finals last year, was I'll go as even far as to say this. Yes, Tampa was the better team. They had the stacked lineup, but yet the Islanders almost forced a game seven. And why? Their goaltending played out of their mind, and the offense did the best of their ability. Are you going to find a guy like that to put you over the edge at the deadline? Probably not, Without, especially without having to give up a tremendous amount of capital to get that guy. 
I don't think you can necessarily improve the team that much. Uh, their goaltender is completely underrated coming from a Ranger fan, uh, Nick Foley. Yeah. yeah. Varlamov is, you know, he had a great start to the season, kind of fell in a little bit of a slump and has gathered himself back together. Sor- Sorokin, uh, I know he hasn't played much, but in the games that he has played, he's not – he hasn't he has been why they've lost. I'll, I'll say that. He has not been the reason why they've lost. He has one game – one win on the season in four games, two two losses and one overtime loss. But he has not been the reason why no. they, they lost those games. It was more towards the fact that the offense was not showing up and the defense was not helping him either. Um, But games take over the reins here. How do the yeah. Islanders – how do they get back to this cup scenario? By doing what they do. I mean, Thompson's a great uh, – Barry Trust deserves all the credit. Elite coach. He, he is. He, the power play has been looking phenomenal lately. We've been scoring on that compared to last season. Um, I do want to get uh, to back to Sal's comment, on my opinion. How do they move on uh, with to win the Cup? Uh, realistically, you don't always need a big-name guy that's shooting – the puck making a whole bunch of points like you see the grade eight you see the list could go on but what i'm trying to say is that not every team needs that main guy we see it with the islanders guy that they can spread that puck around and pretty much anybody on that team will shoot the puck and score for the most part so by having all that by them working together having that chemistry which they've built which they've learned to play with is only going to help them succeed even further by tasting that last year in the bubble has probably improved this team as a whole. And it's not easy to do that considering going from a regular season to no play to a bubble and look where they ended up to they've been on, uh, they won the last five games at home. They've been phenomenal lately. I, I just say ride with the team you got, man. There's nothing really wrong with it, and it's difficult to make trades, and it's difficult to get that guy you need because, realistically, you, you have to give up key players that may – if you bring in a guy that you know that can score goals and whatever and improve your team, but you always know at the end of the day there's always going to be somebody that you had to trade away that also helped your team in a way. Yeah. So it's like a pick and choose, but this team right now I feel is very balanced, um, and they, they should be fine. Yeah. No, I think they'll be fine as well. I don't think that – listen, will they get back to that cup potential? I think they'll be there when all said is – I don't think they're going to be in the cup, but I think they'll be competing for it once again Yeah, when all said is done. Uh, I, they're, they're one of the best disciplined teams in the league. Barry mm-hmm. is one of the best coaches of all time. I know third all-time in wins, I believe, as a coach in the NHL. When all said is done, I think that they will be – very close to there. Easily, I think they get out of the second round, uh, yeah. out of the Eastern Conference or not uh, in the final. But we'll see what happens. But, James, any any further note on the Islanders? Any more you want to talk about? Yeah, there was a few comments. Um, so let me just see where they were um, real quick. We got a lot of comments tonight, so which is good. Oh, Thomas O'Neill, he commented earlier, is that a Travers jersey in my background? It is. Um I put it up there because I wasn't going to put up my brand new jersey my friends got me for my birthday a while back. Oh, what'd you get? Um, what'd you get? I just got a regular jersey. Oh, it just doesn't have a name on it. Yeah, they said if you want, you can customize it. Um, but yeah, it's an old uh, JT jersey that, well, um, 
when I went to games and stuff, I wrote Mama's Boy on the back of it. So that was fun. Uh, and then John Suggs mentions, which I did find interesting when he did mention it. He mentioned about, I want to get your opinion on it was, where is it? It was about the Hurricanes. Hurricanes is a dark horse. Watch out. They've been playing very, very well. Another team that is dangerous is Florida. I'm assuming Florida Panthers. Yeah, Florida is interesting. I've been following them a bit this year because you would have thought that the success would have come based on the goaltender who they paid last season in Bobrovsky, but the goaltending has actually flourished with their backup. Bobrovsky has actually been quite terrible this year. It's been their other goaltender, Chris Dreidger, who's 7-1-1 on the season, has a 2.2 goals against average. 261 saves on the season and a 929 save percentage. Uh-huh. Fantastic for this team is been yeah. a main reason to why they're winning. Another reason why they're winning that trade that they did, I believe it was with Penguins uh, this past offseason for Patrick Hornquist. He's been great. He's been a fantastic addition for them on that line uh, of wingers that they have with guys like uh, Herbert O. Um, I'm trying to think who else they have. I know they have Anthony Duclair, who they brought over. The def- uh Barkov. Barkov. Uh, Duclair they have on there. <sighs> they have a bunch of guys on here. Yeah. Keith Yandel, former Ranger. But, uh, yeah, they're having a lot of success this season, John. Now back to your Carolina Panthers. Carolina's been a team that's been there. They- they've been there the last couple seasons. Uh, they added a guy this offseason in Jesper Fast. He's been kind of quiet. Five goals, uh, five points this season. Sebastian Ajo. You mean Florida Panthers? No, no, no. We're, we're switching gears to the pan, uh, the uh, Hurricanes right now. My bad. Oh, no, uh, you, you're good. Ajo has 16 points in 17 games. He's been good for them as well. Nino Niederreiter has 12 points on the season as well. Uh, Brady Shea defensively has been better. I watched a couple games. Uh, Vincent Trochet, who they traded for the deadline last year, mm. uh, has been an impact player this year. Nine goals on the season, I believe, that leads them. Um, so they've definitely been a good team, definitely a team to look out for as well. And, you know, we'll see what happens. It, again, more so this season than ever before, and it's because of COVID-19, it's going to be really difficult to tell who's actually dominant and who's just taking advantage of the division given to them, right? Yep, exactly. Because you could look at the – Specifically, right? Look at the Northern Conference, right? Mm. Getting to play a team in Ottawa how many times a year is already favorable. Getting to play a team in Vancouver is very favorable. Getting to play teams like a Buffalo in New Jersey, right, James? For us mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference is very favorable. Now that the Rangers are missing Artemi Panarin in the Eastern Conference, that's going to be a favorable, favorable thing for us as well. Uh, or other teams in the Eastern Conference. The Central Look at teams that have to play like a team like Dallas and Nashville and mm-hmm. step off Detroit. Whereas before, that wasn't the situation. They were much smaller conference divisions. They were broken up accordingly better. Mm-hmm. And you're able to really determine who's going to be a threat or not. You can't necessarily – you know that Boston is going to be there. You know that Tampa is going to be there. You know Pittsburgh and the Capitals are always going to be there. Toronto, I don't know. Is Toronto yeah. a beneficiary of the schedule division that they put in? Maybe. Or are they actually a great team this year? We'll see. Yeah. Vegas has been a great team the last couple of years. Same thing with St. Louis. But again, mm-hmm. are they acting off the fact that they get to play teams like 
Arizona, the Kings, Minnesota, San Jose, and Anaheim, who aren't great teams. Eight times each season, eight times this year, whatever it comes out to be. So, so we'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see what happens when all said is done. I know we got a couple comments not regarding the uh, hockey segment we got going on here, but we got some basketball comments. Just quick little thing: Brooklyn just dropped forty-two points in the first quarter. That's what I'm saying, Sal. Nobody, nobody's beaten. Nobody's beaten. Even though it is the Kings, nobody's beaten them. The 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 offensive dominance that they have, nobody can compete with that. Uh the Nets are nine and one against teams that are above five hundred, just saying. Again, exactly. Yeah. They're they're not so. they're not they're not gonna lose. But on that note, that'll do it for our NHL segment. And James, real quickly, well not real quickly, we're gonna spend a little bit of time on the MLB and then we'll wrap up the show. Cool. So not a lot of MLB news this week, James. Uh some of the things tapping the headlines, topping the headlines. Uh Albert Pujols, I think this was the last night or the night before. It's kind of yeah. a little weird. Um, it was the last night. Was it last night? Yeah, it was late because we were we were at our meeting and whatnot. We were talking. I think it was last night. And no, no. Okay. I think it was Sunday night. Yeah. But last night, his wife came out um, and said that he wasn't retiring. Ultimately, Alvin Proholz came out with a statement saying, I'm retiring after the season. Um, he did, Kyle. come out with a statement. But, well, that's what everything said. I'm not sure if he came. All right, let me rephrase. I'm not sure if he came out with a statement, but every sports page news outlet said that was most likely going to happen at the end of 2021. And then you, and then I think last night you said about his wife or something. No, it was vice versa. So his wife came out on like Sunday and posted something on Instagram uh, in regards to this being his last season. And then Pujols came out yesterday and said like, uh, not so quick yet, uh, meaning I don't know if I'm going to retire yet or not. That's not, you know, set in stone. Obviously, he's an older player. Um, he's got to be – Albert Poole has been in the league forever now. He's got to be at least 38 years old, 37 years old, something along those lines. Um, so I would have to imagine this be one of his last years. Could he come back? Potentially, yes. Will it be with the Angels, though? Probably not, as they're not really going to be winning or competing that much, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, that was some baseball news and other baseball news. So this was an interesting story. This was um, this was a little troublesome, at least for me. Pulis is no, Tom says, there you, Pulis. Go. you know, that does sound about right because, they, I mean, as far as I can remember, he was always in whenever I was watching. So it makes sense, 41. So. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember that stint that he had with the Cardinals as well before signing with the Angels. Because he was, I'm trying to think. So he won in 2013, I think, with the Cardinals, something like that, something along those lines. So that was, oh, wow. So he was in his 30s at that point when he signed the contract with the Angels. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So some uh, quick little things before we jump in. A uh, couple comments, James. You can pull them up. John Suggs comments. Uh, Padres uh, win it now, $800 million in three players if they don't win Watch them fall hard, be just like the Red Wings fall back for years to come. I think this is a little different, John. I think this is a little different. Um, Whereas hockey, not that baseball is not a team sport, but hockey is truly a team sport where, yeah, you could have a great player, Mm -hmm. but if the rest of your lineup is not good, you're not going to win a lot of games. Mm -hmm. Where the Padres have the – advantage is that a lot of these guys are young very young with probably the exception of Hosmer and Darvish who they just brought in 
to strengthen that bullpen even further. A guy like Chris Paddock is young. A guy like Blake Snell is still young in his prime. Machado, young in his prime. Tatis, who they just signed, young in his prime. These are guys that are going to be there for a long time. And they locked them up to, I don't want to say team-friendly deals, Clevenger as well. Um, Tatis more team-friendly as well, especially knowing that what the uh, – uh, knowing that the shortstop market, especially next offseason, I talked about. I think we talked about it a little last week, James. I don't remember, but the names are like Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, and, uh, and Trevor Story next offseason being shortstop free agents. Those are guys that you know we talked about getting thirty, thirty-five million dollars, and now with Lindor being locked up, it's a fourteen-year deal. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, 14 years is going to last the length of that contract. That's really the question with any single person that you sign to that term and that length. But they locked him up for $24 million a year. It's not a bad contract. Instead no, of having to pay him three, four years down the line, and if Lindor is getting $35 million, Trevor Story is getting like 33 this offseason, what is the guy in Tatis going to get years down the line? Especially for a small market team, John, like the Padres. We're not going to be throwing the bag out to another player after just doing it to Machado. Because mm-hmm. by the year, what, 2025, 2026, when Tatis becomes a free agent, which he won't be now, we'll, we'll be seeing astronomical numbers to the likes of $40-plus million for a, for a shortstop. It's a very yeah. smart deal. I don't think the Padres are going to have that type of uh, falter in them, to be perfectly honest with you. It's unfortunate they're in the same division as the Dodgers because, again – in the NL, if I'm being honest, I think that it's it's ultimately if it wasn't for the Dodgers, it'd be their conference to lose. I don't really see. I don't. I'm not going to say teams competing with them because I know that they're still relatively young and still gelling together. As a lot of these pieces were just acquired, mm. they have so many phenomenal players. It's so hard to not see them being there at the end, with the exception of the Dodgers. Because I think it's it's really just a two man race. I think in the in the in the NL. Yeah, I, no, I, agree. I might be leaving out your Mets. The Mets, I think, will be there as well. But compared to the Dodgers in this Padres team, they're just so stacked. Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. But again, we'll we'll see when it transpires in the field when uh, we get to April. Uh, Nick for Michael in the chat. What are the chances that Jonas Cespedes actually gets picked up by a team, considering how volatile of a player he is, uh, and what are yeah. we worth? I don't really see him having a career, to be honest with you. I heard about that a little bit. Um, I, I don't uh, think that – forget about the volatile situation, as John alludes to right now, right? His injuries. His injuries. Even if you are a team that is in need of a DH, there, there's so many other options that you could go to, I feel, before going to a guy in your own assessment as to the point where if maybe if you get him for like a fantastic deal, like let's say a one-year, $4 million deal, just kind of a bargain type of deal, maybe you bring him on. Probably yeah. He's not going to see the field. I guarantee that. He'll be a DH. So that'll be in the American League. It won't be until an NL team. Coming from really, a Met, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 go, go, go. Coming from a Met fan, uh, so we can kind of get back on track about Cespedes, um, once he got hurt, well, falling off his horse, it ended his career pretty much. That – I mean, unfortunately, but between that and then him just not being healthy, it just hurt his – it hurt his stock value. And for the Mets to pay him that, a lot of money at the time, yeah, which made sense, but 
we saw what that did to him. It changed his complete thinking. It changed his complete way he he did things. You know, riding horses to practice doesn't make any sense. But then lying to the team, oh, I fall off the horse and all this other stuff. He lied to the team last year as well, saying that he, he didn't feel like comfortable he, being out in public. And then they and then he yep exactly. So all his stuff, all his stunts has only hurt his value. And if he does play again. He'll be on an AL team like I was saying for a DH until NL adopts that. But you won't see him on the field. And if he is, expect a lot of strikeouts because he turned into a very big strikeout hitter. He can bring that power when he's on, but he did turn into a strikeout hitter, unfortunately. Uh, Mets might be one of the most overhyped teams heading into the 2021 rotation. It's still a question mark. Our division is brutal. The division is definitely brutal. I wouldn't say overhyped because I'm a I'm a guy that's riding with the Mets right now. I said 95 wins. I think it's not going to be easily attainable, but I think that it could be obtained from what you, they have added. Over, overhyped in what way? Because, I mean, I'm hyped overhyped about this team, but over- overhyped meaning like they're winning the World Series. And I don't, no, see no, no, no. I, I don't think anybody's saying they're winning the World Series, but overhyped in the sense that they're going to win the division, get 95 games, uh, 95 wins after – forget about last year because that was a shortened season, but the year before that I believe they only had 77. So taking that massive of a jump. I think it's, they can. I think that they can. They can, but coming from an actual Met fan, seeing what we've gone through, it's going to be a hard road to get there. Because realistically, you have to make you you have to see if everybody stays healthy. That's, you got to see your if your pitching can hold up. Because you, the only guy right now, I mean, not that it's saying Stroman's better than all the other guys, but Degrom at least gives you a solid game. And if the bats can't back them up, I mean that that's that's where it comes into. And uh, I don't I I, I, could, I see overhyped as uh, top three teams in the NL. Like Kyle just said, I personally don't see it. They, they might be a wild card team. No, I listen. They I again I I don't know why people put them in front of Atlanta. I still give Atlanta the edge because they've been that team to lead the division. Tom. So. Yeah, the the key is healthiness, but again, I think that uh, another thing that comes with the Mets is, I know this sounds funny or you may take it as dumb or stupid, but the whole presence of Oro, the team, right, was ravished by the Wilpons, lack of spending, and just hate by fans. And I think that's all changed, and and you feel that with the moves in which they've they've made and, and what they've done where, yes, they haven't necessarily i mean they made the big sticking move remember francisco lindor carlos Carrasco. people forget when they when they jump to go say oh why didn't you bring in bauer why didn't you bring in bauer i hate to break it to you guys but to be honest with you you already see how uh, bauer's handling the whole la situation what do you think it would have been in new york oh yeah no. that great and that and you don't need that either no now, does it suck that he's you know within your conference of course not the vision within your conference in the nl of course but I don't think that that was necessarily the move to be made uh, for the Mets. I think they're fine the way they are. They will be competing. If they stay healthy is the key words again. But like Sal alluded to, that's that's every single team. That's every single right? Look at the Yankees, for instance, right? They're a team that had 30-plus players, 30-plus players two years ago on the IL. 30-plus players. They still set a home run record, and they still – one over 100 games. They yeah, but – Right, and the Mets – listen, the Mets necessarily aren't that team, and we'll see what injuries bring and what comes with it. 
But again, only time will tell. Only oh, time. I agree. But and then uh, some other Met news. Uh, Steve Cohen has been at. He's back on Twitter, everybody. So yeah, you can tweet him. See see if he wants to change the black jerseys or not. Uh, he's back. He's down there. Most of the teams down there as it is. I've seen pictures of Conforto. I've seen pictures of uh, pretty much a lot of a lot of the Mets are already down to spring training like usual, getting a head start, which is nice to see. But got to stay healthy all year. Um, and then, Kyle, what about your Yankees? My Yankees. So in Yankee news, nothing really big. Uh, Clark Schmidt, he shut down one of the Yankees' top prospects pitchers. Um, he hurt his arm throwing a little bit. Uh, he shut down three to four weeks. Might have made the team mm-hmm. in the starting rotation, though. Uh, but they did resign Brett Gardner, fan favorite. I don't know. I, I don't know if you've seen it, James, but people on Twitter and people on Instagram are so mean about Gardner. I, I love Gardner. I don't know what the hate is. People are like, why are you bringing back him? He's he's taking up a spot that doesn't need to... any team would be lucky to have a player as hardworking and as good. I'm not going to say dominant. But as good as an outfielder, as good as a leader, in that dugout, I, I'd give him four million dollars all day long. He, he works his butt off, especially with the young guys. It's a veteran presence that you need. I mean, a lot of people don't understand. They expect a lot of young young guys to just come in there and make a difference. Yeah, they do. But you have to have a veteran leading leading the pack. And even if it's only for a year, you sign him. I think if you sign him for longer or something. But if you sign a veteran like him to a younger team. I'm only going to bring his experiences with him. That's only going to help your team. So if people are bashing it or hating it for whatever reason, they have to look at it. It's going to help your team later on down the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, he's not going to be a guy that's starting in left field for 162 games. But again, if you remember last playoffs, he was the best batter on the team at that point in time. So that wasn't helpful. James, I know we're coming to a close, but I wanted to mention this because I got into the vibe the mix of mentioning it but then just got distracted by all these comments that we got which we love but love them uh, real quick uh so the seattle mariners president and ceo uh kevin mather resigned from his position after a video <laughs> surfaced of him sharing his thoughts on the service time manipulation of prospects like a jared Kalenic, uh mm-hmm. julio rodriguez some of the best prospects the expiring contract of kyle seager and this was a little disturbing as well, having to uh, his displeasure with having to pay interpreters for foreign born players. So I don't think he got fired, but he resigned. So he's no longer with the organization. They, they told him to resign pretty much. Usually if you don't get fired from that, they're like, listen, PR to, to the work there. Do, do us a favor and do yourself a favor, resign, because that, I'm sorry, but that that's just. It's That's terrible. Listen, right. people it's talk terrible. about contracts all the time. Oh yeah, you, you don't vocally go go out there and say that. Even if it was on video, you you don't. I don't even know who he was talking to in regards to that. But listen, if you're a GM, a president, CEO, of course you're talking about it. But to be caught negatively speaking like that, and especially this pleasure with paying for interpreters to your foreign born player, like what? Why? 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 It's ridiculous. He resigned. But James, no. on that note. That'll do it for this edition of Review and Preview, everybody. Thank you all for joining us tonight. On behalf of myself and my co-host, James Montefusco, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in. And make sure to catch us next week at this same time, 7 to 8.30, for all the recent news and breaking news within the sports world. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night, everybody.